FC13 podcast is sponsored by Bet99. Well, hello, ball boys and girls, and welcome to the FC13 podcast. We're in the final stretch of the home season, and it's a doozy. York batters the best team in the league, Forge and Calvary like the color red, and what's going on with our boy Hutchinson. So buckle up, get ready for your source of all things Canadian. And welcome back. Thanks so much, guys. Welcome to the FC 13 podcast. I'm joined by our host, Michael. How's it going? How's it going? And we have a special guest, Juan Dominguez. Juan, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. Yeah, so Paul's on vacation right now. So we decided to bring Juan in as a special guest to sort of preview something that's going to be coming up in the next couple months, especially with the World Cup coming up, because he has a little bit of a different relation to it than maybe some of us. But we're also doing a little bit of a preview of a preview. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Starting us off, we're going to jump into probably one of the craziest games of the week, at least in my opinion. And that's definitely what the score sheet says. Forge, Calvary, 2-1. That's not really the highlight, in my opinion. Forge winning kind of seems a little bit obvious. It's the red cards that just sort of came in rapid succession. Guys, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's, I mean, we've, we've seen a couple of games get out of hand in the last couple red cards thrown left, right, and center. And, I mean, earlier in the season, red cards were the story of the season. Paul was very heavy on, like, look at all these red cards. But uh, I'm not too surprised by it. Uh, Forge and Calvary are at the point now with Valor picking it up. Teams are struggling. Teams are struggling to find points. Teams are uh, teams and players are getting frustrated. So, you know, actions happen. Yeah, so we're at an interesting point at the stage of the, the season right now. Uh, it seems like Forge had a little bit of a uh, misstep in the last previous games. It seems like their attack wasn't too fluid. And uh, them having so many great attacking players seems like it caused too much of an issue with them because... Uh, Bobby looked like he wanted to play all of his players, but sometimes you need to build chemistry between those players. And it looked like at this game, the the, the fluidity's back. I mean, uh, David Chouinier had a great game. You know, he had that golasso. And, um, you know, it was, a, it was another classic in the books. You know, we've got everything. Great goals, red cards. You know, it was a great way to to be a neutral for the, for the game. I mean, red cards are always exciting, no matter who's... Like, it's exciting because it generates content and interest and people are going, I'm on the fence about the first one. So I I don't think that that red card necessarily could have been an immediate red, definitely a yellow. I don't think he intends to step on his legs, but he definitely wasn't he wasn't being cautious. So he was very reckless in the way he was doing it. And I think that's come back clearly to bite him. But I don't know. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, because it it just didn't seem like a red card right off the hop to me. Definitely a yellow for Mm -hmm. sure. But I just didn't see the the maliciousness in it. Well, I mean, with the roughing in the league, right? It's very um, on and off some games, and it really comes down to the matter of opinion from the ref, right? And if the ref is going to call it, he's going to call it. But it's hard to argue with a ref in this league. It it really is. We don't see a lot of stuff uh, seem to be getting fixed with the complaints that come with this roughing, right? Um, On the actual incident, I can see why it's red. Again, it's recklessness. I think that's a lot of... T- um, I think when you look back, even in the MLS, the Cavallini red, I think that's more because of uh, the recklessness that came with it. So, I mean, it, 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 
Sorry, it goes both ways, in all honesty. Yeah, well, but at least with the Cavallini one, it was it was the head. And honestly, I think studs touch head at any point, you're, you've got to consider reds. Like, there's just no way about it. Like, the studs, that's whether you meant to or not, you've, you've literally come into serious damage. But when it's a game like that, if he falls over and he's going forwards, there's, you know, only so much room his legs can spread and, and it just happened to catch him. And it, it just kind of looked like he tripped over it. I think this... Now, again, there's no VAR. If there was VAR like MLS and they had reviewed it and went, nope, for sure, straight red, I'd be like, okay, that's total bullshit. But I just think this is a scenario where VAR probably really would have came in to save the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, like, viewing from a ref's point, it's very difficult to hand out a red card and be confirmed with it because once you give out that red card, any foul after that, and it's similar to that red card offense, you have to do something similar to keep the game more even. Exactly. And I think, and I think that um, a lot of times the refs, they, they are like card happy. And um, I think maybe the ref had, um, he had previous games beforehand in his mind thinking, okay, I know these guys are becoming rivals. So I want to make sure the game's in hand. So if there's a, if there's a huge uh, tackle and it becomes uh, a, a yellowish card offense, I want to put my foot in there and make sure there's no more similar tackles after that. But sometimes they'll cause the game to be more skewed. And I think the, you're right. The ref did get it wrong. And I think, I think they should do better. And I don't know if VAR will fix that because VAR is all about the ref's decisions, you know, far as more of like yeah. the tool and the, the tool, if the, if the person using the tool doesn't know how to use it, the tool become useless. I, it, to me, I think it's <clears throat> more of a scenario of it's about finding clear and obvious. And that's what VAR was sort of intended was clear and obvious fouls. And so going back to look at that, he may have the moment to think, was that clear and obvious that he had meant to do it? Or was it just yeah. simply tripping up? And that's, that's the intention of VAR. Now, you're entirely right. doesn't fucking matter if he just goes in there and he's like, mm, yep, studs, they're done, red. It, sure, he's still got full control at the end of the day, but it's to try to give that method of was it a clear and obvious foul or was it potentially just an accident? And it works sometimes. It doesn't work. I think the lower leagues like this really do need it because it's a very rough league. And, you know, obviously it works best when there's a lot of roughness happening. So you can catch the fouls that go missed and the ones where there's a lot of diving because then you can catch where it's total bullshit. And I think the CPL is on the rougher side of things, clearly, you know, and it's it's only going to get worse when people start hating each other more. It's only going to get worse. But like one side, um, it depends if you know how to use the tool. And it kind of goes into what I just said as well. I think it's a matter of opinion. I don't know. If VAR fixes it at this point, because it really comes down to the refing we have. I don't think VARs will retrain the refs. You get what I mean? So if he calls something as a foul, I don't know if that changes his opinion. In my opinion, VAR is only going to really help now at this point of the league with offsides. Offsides, handballs. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I hate, I hate, it. I, I, let me be clear to anyone listening. I do not like VAR. Same I fucking here. hate it. It's the worst. Do not I think agree. I'm advocating for it. It's just, it's the discrepancy of some people have it. And some people don't. Yeah. That's where the bullshit kind of comes in because you you get stuff like that. But moving on to something that isn't so bullshit, Australia and Canada played their second friendly and Canada again. Oh, 
The, the shots <laughs> and the goals. One, one, two was what it came out as. Canada with obviously the win there, but that's those goals out of Canada coming from the the women's national team, like the senior squad, are just chef's kiss glorious. I, I I have to admit to it. I did it again, guys. I did not see the full game. I didn't even see this game. Um, I'm an idiot. Wow. I did not record the match. I, I'm going to come onto the podcast and bullshit my way through it, okay? I didn't watch it. You are missing some <laughs> glorious content, yeah, brother. Yeah, well, like All we right. said last week, Australia's time zone's fucked up, okay? It's not my you know fault. What? Just, their just fault. develop a drinking problem, stay up late like the rest <laughs> of us, and you'll be fine. So what I did, actually, the day after the game, I was like, oh, that game's today. So I went to go record it. But actually, I think it was that the uh, because the game is like 3 a.m. our time. So I went to go record it that day, thinking it was tomorrow. I'm like, oh, great. No, I, I just missed that one again. Um, I can't do these late-night games. The Women's World Cup is going to be very tough on me, guys. I can't do this. Roman he's going to be calling me at like 6 in the morning. Like, yo, dude, there's, there's a game on, man. He's going to be bullshitting his way through the whole thing. He's going to be like, yeah, like, yeah, totally, totally watched it, man. Yeah, what was it? It was 4-3. Neither of those teams are playing, Michael. Like, they're Anyways, not the World Cup right now. I did watch the highlights, though. So I got you. Okay. Beautiful goals. <laughs> Australia came out hard. They came out hungry. And uh, from what I saw, great goal by Australia. Now Canada came back. Obviously, 2-1 win. Uh, great uh, great goals as well. You know? Th- this is how you bullshit, okay? You admit to watching something, and then you just make bullshit around it. Um, Juan, did you watch the match? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, <laughs> well, now oh, I'm the minority yeah. here. The, Whatever. The, our podcast officially went to shit. Yeah. No one's going to be like, what the fuck am I listening to? We're like to? the two anchors. <laughs> I'm just, just, just going to just throw it on you. I mean, it is something good to go back and watch. So if you haven't watched it, someone listening who didn't go into watching it, <laughs> it, it ended up being a really good showcase of, of the strength, the actual significant strength that the Canada women's team does provide because they had five shots on target. And five shots. So they're they're really taking their time and making sure their shots are counting. And it shows because they're they're getting really good goals. They're converting really well. It's it's no longer a cluster that we're seeing in, say, the under divisions of, of the women's national team. We're seeing that sort of cohesiveness. And I'm hoping that when they have that break, that little bit of a break, that they can maybe start to integrate some of the unders that we we mentioned were struggling and Get them that confidence to get shooting on target. Get them that skills to start like converting, because it's great now. And this world, I'm super excited for the women's World Cup. I really think that based on just the the immediate uptick and performance, we could do something great. I just worry that come the next women's World Cup, and a lot of people have retired. We're not going to be saying the same thing, and we're yeah, just going to say motherfuck. I want to say if I'm awake, I'm really excited for the women's World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, this World Cup is going to be interesting because uh, a lot of the uh, players that we grew up to adore and love, they're they're starting to retire and, you know, they're starting to slowly get away from the game. And now we're looking at the younger players to come in. Like, it seems like we're having uh, a lot of great replacements for uh, St. Clair. And um, even right now with uh, uh, Rose right over there, she seems like she's being integrated into the team. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I know that was a bit of a concern when we watched the U20 women or what was a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah. And we're realizing, like, it looks like we need a professional league in this country as soon as possible. So um, the the women that are developing still, they'll be able to get Mm -hmm. that kind of experience and continue the the growth of the national team because 
sure, we can have a great national team for a long period of time, but if there's nothing to follow up, then it seems like we struck gold and we wouldn't be able to get it back until mm -hmm. that infrastructure is there. So um, it, it seems like we still have a great program in hand. And uh, it seems like all the people that are coming in, uh, they're fitting in perfectly. Well, but I think sure. I think even on top of that, just the market having more games puts it into people's eyes more. Having it on the TV puts it in more into people's minds to go out and, and sh you know check them out and support and more derbies because having a York Nine derby against say Toronto FC because again the way the disparity would work Toronto could easily field a women's team and oh, you yeah. could have that kind of a scenario where you're having very close derbies because it's so developed in in just below the CPL level that a lot of them could probably very quickly just make a very short step up and we could have some seriously good content for little to no money because they're they're so close a lot of these teams are so close that it would just be one hop oh, like it would be the same you could almost just follow them on the CPL train oh, yeah, and, sure. and have them scheduled out that way and that would cut your cost down Mm -hmm. Well, if they create a women's pro league, I think something that would be smart to do is kind of focus on the Ontario area, like League One Ontario has done with the women's. They're all in the GTA, and like you said, create a derby. And if they could get Canadian women, like say Montreal, jumps on board with Vancouver and Toronto, to have them all jump on board with the CPL teams, that does potential of being bigger than the CPL right now. It's it's, and there's no reason not to because mm -hmm. again. It's a whole new division. It would be just great development. I personally would just be, you know, I'd love an excuse to go out and kind of kind of do it more. My only concern would be, you know, like I, I am a little bit east of Toronto. So if Toronto mm -hmm. puts a women's team and then near me puts a women's team and I'm like, mm, shit, like now what do I do? Right now I got to I got to pick and choose my loyalties, which which would be real unfortunate. And I just think I just think it'd be a great it, we could have one of the, the greatest sort of derby games because they could be so close to each other mm -hmm. and so regular so oh, consistent yeah. and so often right it's like because, london yeah it's like exactly london yeah. just being able to drive week. like 40 minutes or 50 minutes for a derby game instead of six yeah. hours or five hours for me to go out to montreal you know a little mm -hmm. a little bit easier but speaking of easy york edmonton man i can't believe the mighty eddie's lost it's 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 Run. unfortunate they're totally been beaten but really didn't want them to be beaten streak continues. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Forgot yeah, about yeah, that. I was really yeah. hoping that they just kind of fucking did something. But honestly, I, I didn't know what I was expecting. 3-1 was the score, York and Edmonton. We knew it was going to happen. It is Edmonton, unfortunately. But that is really big for York. Those three mm -hmm. points are absolutely massive. And again, while the 3-1 doesn't seem like much, goal difference, we're in squeaky butt time. Goal difference now makes all the difference in the world. It does, and um, it's not just Edmonton, right? It's it's fucking Babuli. Babuli for York has been a little golden shining piece of art from uh, from this season. From this, wanted uh, to see where you're gonna take that one. Yeah, I was gonna say nugget, but I didn't. I didn't feel like that sounded right. Um, <clears throat> no, no, sorry. Uh, uh, Babuli's coming into York and really made a difference maker. And then when you pair him with DeRozier, who's had a phenomenal season. Um, it's something special. Unfortunately, Babuli did not join earlier in the season, uh, especially during all their all their injuries that they've had to deal with on and off all season as well. Me and Juan were talking before we started recording and kind of looked at uh, we kind of talked about York's uh, season there. Uh, Juan, I want you to go more into this game, but 
yeah, you know what? Just take away, take away from this game. I, I'm, I, just I, like, I just like the, uh, just like the Canada women's game. I totally missed it. Go on. He, he, he's like, he's no, like, I, shut no, the no, fuck up. I did Michael. watch let this me, game. Let me, <laughs> let me take this one over. All right. I did watch this game, but I'm an idiot and I'm losing my my train of thought. Take a ball. I can't have an Ottawa fan describe the game. Because you know it still hurts. It still hurts me from what you guys did at YLS. Because uh, you know it, it's still in the back of my mind. But uh, <laughs> uh, in all honesty, like wow, Babuli is such a game changer. He seems like he's the glue to the to the team. You know, and Dero seems like he was just feeding off scraps from the uh, the rest of the guys. And yes, of course, we had our injuries in the beginning of the season, but a lot of the times. Our losses came from teams that we should have beat. Like, I remember that 3-0 loss to uh, Edmonton. That was in June or July. And I felt like that was so gettable because there were so many individual errors. And I feel like when such a special player goes into your locker room, it uplifts the team. Like, it looks like that. I don't want to compare, but I want to say it's like that Lorenzo Insigne effect where you're like, that guy walks in, you see what he's got on the field. And you're like, okay, we got to step up for we got to step up our standards. And when he's on the field, we have to match him. And uh, in all honesty, like, we've we've looked great. Four wins out of the last five. Um, I've, I've, I've been, like, going crazy, like, thinking we're going to go to playoffs. Because, like, my my heart is saying yes, but my mind's like, what are you doing? You bro? might need an open heart <laughs> surgery if your heart's saying that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have to double check. Go to the doctor for that. You got you got twelve points, and there's only seven separating you, right, from the from a playoff position. So it puts it, them in the race. It does. It, it does well, but it's also based on the fact that if Valor and Pacific were flying high, mm-hmm. I'd say not a chance in hell. But no, exactly. because they've been fumbling a little bit more and more and more. Specifically Pacific, yeah. You know, and they're, they are. They're having it I, very possible. Mm-hmm. Extremely possible right now. They just have to keep that form up. They get three three wins and you are right in contention. Mm-hmm. All they need to do. So, I was what is, I was like, go on. It's very difficult because once you, once you want other teams to fail, it's sort of out of reach. Because mm-hmm. yes, you do want to you do want to win all the games you possibly have, but it's if it goes by chance, then it's very difficult to go back in. Especially that Valor is competing with Pacific for that yeah. fourth spot. I'm I'm looking at the calendar, hoping for each team to lose. And when I do that, I'm thinking, man, dude, are we really that in it? Because yes, we are in good form, but we've got Forge, Ottawa, Halifax could be a that mm-hmm. could be a good win there. Yeah. But some of those teams are um are difficult to, to compete against. But uh, I think the guys do very well on their the road trips. Mm-hmm. So let's let's hope. But for the remember, best. it's not always two. So the beauty about the CPL, at least in my opinion, is that the league is small. So while you're thinking about, okay, well, we have this person and this person and this person, I mean, Valor's fourth, and you're seven points away from that. One of those four games is against Valor. So that is your six-point game right there. That cuts that right, right down. Yeah. Exactly their right. other two games are against Ottawa. That's a huge one. Ottawa's now gunning for it. And Calvary. So if it were, you know, again, just different teams than the top two and you, that's your six points. That's that's right there. All mm-hmm. they need is Ottawa's going to be pushing hard, and they right now are doing well. You've got Calvary, which is super strong and they're not going to be sitting down and then we have you like then we have york so mm-hmm. 
that is so within reach. It's incredible. And that's the best case scenario because just looking at Calvary's a little bit harder. Yeah, they have Valor. That one's kind of a, a wash up. Then they have Pacific. Again, that one's a wash up. But then they have Edmonton and Ottawa. Yeah. So you have right now at your disposal in the f- next four games, the top teams facing off against each other. Mm-hmm. So someone is bound to drop points. And that's exactly what you need. Mm-hmm. It, so it that's really, it, it's FC narrative. And that's kind of the term that I'm doing. And I'm fucking loving it. Having no dedicated <laughs> team right now. Because watching the entire league just do this, like right at the top, is just, it's bringing me so much joy right that's now. That's because you have no connections to the league. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I can tell you right now, if Durham, like my area ever gets a CBL team, if this shit happens, I'm going to eat my I eat my shoes like right on camera. Like fuck Good. that, because I Good. don't want I don't want that to happen. But in Want this scenario, it, it's yeah. it's just absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and unfortunately, because of how York played earlier in the season, it, it, this really does come down to other teams' results, right? It's one of those situations where your fate is pretty much in other teams' hands. Obviously, you still got to do your work and win the win those games. But you can win the rest of the games and still get unlucky and miss that playoff spot, right? It really does come down to other teams. Um, something I wanted to point out from the match, though, was something Babuli did. And I hate when... And it, I'm not saying he's a bad guy because he's not a bad guy. Um, this pisses me off. And no matter what league I'm watching, I absolutely hate it. When you're awarded a pen and the person on your team who's challenging for the golden boot doesn't take the pen. And I, I don't know if Babuti took the ball from DeRozio. I don't know if DeRozio does like, fuck it, I don't care, have it. But oh, it always frustrates me when you have a golden boot potential winner on your team <laughs> and somebody else takes the pen. I never get it. It always frustrates me. To to be fair, I when I saw Babuli won the, the uh, penalty there, mm-hmm. I looked at Euro immediately just to see his reaction, yeah. right? Okay. And uh, as soon as uh, Babuli won the 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 penalty he made direct eye contact to Dero and Dero went up to him and just gave him like a you know a handshake and a little bit of a hug there so it seemed like they embraced each other okay. like it looked like Babuli worked his socks off for that play mm-hmm. so Dero looked like he did understand that situation and even though he is uh, competing for the golden boot I think Dero's just confident and it's like yeah let's just get another one next week don't worry about it and possibly take this one and I wonder if there's something that like goes into a locker room as well like I know, like, a lot of the time, who takes the kick, it's, it's debated on the field. But who says that Nash doesn't have something in play? Like, you know what? If you work for that, if you want it, the pen's yours. It could be a scenario in that sense where you work for it, you draw it. If you want it, you fucking take it because you earned it, you know? Maybe that's... Yeah, it seems like the, the, the team's got good chemistry now. So they do. it, that's it one looked thing like at that situation, they, they didn't say much. There was no friction at all. Mm-hmm. So... um in terms of that instance, it was, it was beautiful. I almost shed a tear at the, at the <laughs> sideline there with my balty pie. It's a, I, a scenario, I think, where winning now is priority over everything. And they know it. And golden boot's great. Golden boot don't mean shit if you're not in the playoffs. So I think it's now a scenario where they were working together and they honestly just don't care. It's, it's a team thing. Because yeah. realistically, if he gets playoffs, golden boot still is counting the playoff goals. So now Does he it? gets, I believe so. I believe it's, I don't it's, think so. well, you know what? Someone in the comments will correct us. So don't worry <laughs> about it. But even as such with those four games, you win the golden boot, but nobody's talking about you for the next month while you're not in the playoffs. Not where the penny, well, not where the yeah, single cent. No, there is more part of things, but I, no. I would like, it would be pretty cool to see 
and the, and the um, totally just for DeRozier because I don't care if York with the playoffs a lot. But if you guys miss the playoffs <laughs> to uh, see DeRozier take home the well, gold boot, because I really like that guy. I'll be amazed if he's still in the CPL next season. Hey, don't don't get me wrong. Yeah. We're we're gonna have a nice little fun showdown between you two at the very last game because it's you two <laughs> against each other. So yes. we will absolutely see if if. Michael's going to be eating his words, but with that, we're going to have to go to a break, so then that way you can go and eat your own words. We'll be back in just a minute, so don't go anywhere. There's no doubt you like sports. You've made it this far. So when you're done here, make sure to head on over to 13thmansports.ca for all your CFL, NFL, NBA, MLS, CPL, and so, so many more. 13th Man Sports is articles, podcasts, and a couple surprises along the way. So don't let yourself fall out of the know, and make sure you get to know 13th Man Sports. And welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your break there. I know we did. There's a lot of glares and fingers and... No, I'm just kidding. But basically, everyone's kind of super excited for the rest of the season. But moving on at least a little bit, some of the people who are a bit more excited are definitely the Halifax fans and definitely all the Montreal Ultras because there's just been two announcements now recently that Montreal has started to allow their Ultra groups to come back into the stands, which they've been banned. They're actually one of the first ones that really kind of got the hammer, so to speak, and and, and the ball kind of rolled a lot of, lot of clubs and started hammering down on different supporters groups. And Halifax had an incident where... They were not happy with their performance. They thought that that Pacific or sorry, that they thought that the Wonders should have been doing better. They thought that the team has really kind of given up. And so they put a banner up there just to sort of and nothing foul, nothing really aggressive, but just sort of saying that they're displeased. They think they've given up and immediately it was taken down and they, they kind of just came out and said uh, a bunch of bullshit and just said, like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to work with them. We don't think that's kind of the support in all fairness. Montreal clamping down on their ultras kind of makes sense. Things were getting a bit rowdy, but Halifax resolve. uh, It makes me really worried for what happens when real ultra groups start forming and really getting a bit crazy. Like what is the response going to be? So if you ask me, Halifax fucked up, man, they fucked up. They, the minute you tell the fans, they cannot do or say certain things. You're losing them. And as a fan, you pay season tickets, you pay merchandise, you buy whatever the fuck you have that goes to that money's, uh, that team's pocket, and you tell them you can't put a sign up to show you how displeased you are. That fuck, they fucked up. They they did fuck up, and um, I believe one of the problems was was they weren't uh, the person who did it wasn't actually part of the supporters group because he did it away from the section. Am I wrong? Are you guys able to correct that? No, I think they. I think that person was in the supporters group, but I think he wanted it from the main stand because I don't think he wanted it to be associated with the supporters group. Oh, okay, okay. So it seemed like he wanted it his own individual okay. statement. Um, in terms, in terms of the sign, like personally for me, um, I disagreed with what the sign said at that moment. But um, he has every right to, or that individual that he has every right to. Exactly. Um, put that sign up if he's displeased with the uh with the ownership and the club as well because he they are just a season ticket holder they are mm-hmm. supporting the the club with their own money and feet and um of course mm-hmm. the club went 
a terrible direction with the security and the whole instance. And I'm glad they did an apology letter afterwards. And uh, I think especially with a young league and a young club like this, it is important to be uh, in good terms with your 100%. supporters group because they, they are, um, they are giving you quite a bit of revenue with their support. Not, yeah. And, uh, and uh, I, I think that it's a, it's a step to learn moving forward. And uh, I think right now, I think the, the fan does personally owe apology for that. Yeah, I would agree. And I was actually okay with the the announcement that Halifax made over the whole thing. They made a, um, a, a press release over it. And I was okay with what they said. But Andre, you, you said something about it, eh? You thought that was kind of an escape go? You thought that was kind of weak on their end? Yeah, I don't think... I really, I genuinely don't think that was okay for the club to do, mm-hmm. simply because the message wasn't vulgar, it wasn't uh, racially toned. It, like there are so many other things that, exactly. that could come up. It was simply just saying that they are that they're dissatisfied. Now, being in supporters clubs and stuff like that, it could very much, but from the group, but the the banner's not going to get the appeal if it's not in the main stands. Like, that's the whole idea. The reason why the Toronto FC Ultras go quiet is it's a scenario where it's visual. It's audible. It's something that makes a statement. People can see it, and then they start questioning. Because there could be more to it than just the how their team's performing. We don't know. There could be things behind the scenes. They could be limiting supporter things. They could be limiting, you know, what they can bring in, what they can do, where they can go. There could be other things behind the scenes. And... That's it's happened. It's happened a lot. And we don't know for sure. But as one pointed out, it's kind of the lifeblood because when things go south and your team really does start to tank, we are fair weather. We're, we're a fair weather country. Like we are bandwagoners 100 percent. When our team is great, we, we sell out everything. Hence why the Blue Jays sell out when they're winning, because it's baseball. And it's boring as fuck. Mm-hmm. It's like it's, it's a hobby, not a sport. Mm-hmm. And and my problem is, is that as soon as we do well, Tickets like 400 bucks, can't find them, stadium's full. But when they're doing terribly, never find them. So those supporters are your core. They bring other people in, they spend money, they buy tickets every year, they buy their jerseys, they spend money at the stadium. And for something like that to be very quickly taken down and maybe not just say, hey, can you move it to your section? Can you do it? And for them to come out and just say, like, we're going to work with them. Their press release sort of sounded like they had made this egregious error or this this horrible yeah. error when they were just simply saying we're not happy and remember we don't know if it's only based on performance now you said like they got asked them to move it i disagree with that as well because if you go and say you can't have signs or whatever at that certain park it's like the, it was obstructing view right so it was over the edge so if you're going to say you can't have that there um to me that's saying because I could be a soccer fan, but I don't want to sit with the supporters. They're maybe too loud. They're maybe too... I don't want to stand for the whole 90 minutes. What if I'm disabled? What if I'm an older person? Can I not have my opinion? Can I not show my opinion? So I, I don't agree with you there that he kind of moved it because a fan is a fan. They pay the money. They they show up. They have a right to say what they want to say. And that's the country we live in. You have that right. So... I, again, I do. I was okay with Halifax ownership saying, "Look, um, we did fuck up because they should have never asked them to move it." But then they said, "We're gonna have monthly meetings with the supporter groups. That's great. They need that connection. They need that communication. That's what's gonna make everything thrive together." Especially with Halifax looking to bring in more fans, they want a ten thousand seat stadium. If you have ten thousand pissed off fans, and you want, but you need them in the stadium, 
you need them in that stadium. So you don't piss them off if they're already pissed off. <laughs> yeah, and I think that um, currently right now, there's a misconception with supporters groups and hooligans, yeah, yeah. right? Because when you when you look at supporters groups, um, we tend to think we're, we're there for the team, right? And we're not there to cause trouble. But when you look at a security's point of view, they're thinking maybe like if if one thing leads to another, it might cause issues yeah. later on if we if we allow some certain things to happen. And certainly since we're a, a, a young league as well, they may be looking over at Europe where it's more of a historical and cultural aspect yeah. to it. And there's years and years of history in terms of the, the, the supporters groups. And sometimes like those bad bloods can really create a bad environment. And I don't know if the security guards keep that in mind while they're here. And it, here, it's it, it seems totally different. I've never been to Europe, yeah. but I've seen a lot of videos where one thing can cause another. One rowdy fan can really ruin a whole, whole group of people. And I don't know if security is definitely overthinking that. And they, they don't want to have that kind of situation. But mm. I think that they, I, I don't think they, uh, they have that conception of supporters group in Canada yet. Remember, when you're taking something down like a, you know, when I say move it, I just mean like it, maybe there's a designated spot for these these signs and they could put it there. No big deal. Right. In this border section happens in Toronto. You bring a big sign like that somewhere else. They're like, no, 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 that's not the spot. It's got to go over there. It's just it's just a scenario of like, you know, adjusting. But the reason why I'm saying there's other things we don't know is they might have asked them to take it down. But I bet you any money it wasn't, oh, sir, could you please kindly take this down? That would be fantastic. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. It was probably aggressive it was probably harassing it was probably we've all dealt with security before in some form or another and there's a hundred percent more to it that we don't exactly know and i i wouldn't mind getting the story from the supporters because for them to come out and make a statement like that i'm i'm feeling like there's something they're trying to cover up like maybe security overreacted and now they're trying to be like we're working with them to make this work guaranteed it's got to be something was this confirmed, like, this was a security uh, card's choice to do this? Or was he told, to, hey, go get that sign? Like, this was this his own decision? Or was he told to go take it down? It could have been, it could have been a zero tolerance. Don't, I don't personally don't know. I don't know if Juan knows either. But it could have just been a scenario of there's a zero tolerance policy. So they took a zero tolerance approach. Maybe, yeah. yeah, so I, I saw the tweets originally from that individual. Okay. And it seemed like that person already spoke to security showing them the banner saying that's okay and then i think the the i think the the uh club asked them security to, to remove that during so it was the game a club thing, yeah. and then yeah and then uh after the game the supporters group initially saw the sign and then that's when they switched over to supporters group and that's when security had issues and i've seen some videos on uh social media with them like uh really like being physical with some of the fans uh-huh. like uh, yeah, some of them were like grabbing them by the neck. Some of them were dragged down the stairs. It was a really ugly so scene. So it was the ownership and I guess the security guards in both scenarios that just fucked up that day. Yeah, and that and yeah. that right there is is that's even that's unforgivable because then that yeah. makes an unsafe atmosphere and it creates hostilities. Like you don't want to be hostile towards your own club, but unfortunately. It is what it is. We'll see how time goes on. And I'm sure we'll get a bit more info so we can kind of touch on it later. So kind of keeping on the shitty news, Hutchinson apparently has been frozen out of his contract with Besiktas. This is super 
kind of awful news based on the timing of the World Cup coming up. His age, his injury, I understand their position, so to speak. They're saying there's too many foreign players. They have gone on a signing blitz, so to speak. But it's also a scenario of on our end. The, the person who, in my eyes, the most deserves to be playing in that World Cup is Hutchinson. I, if you argue me, you're in, you're wrong, which is fine. You're just an asshole too. <laughs> Not the, the guy. I agree with you. Don't worry. Yeah, it's just it's a scenario of of we're really we don't know where he's gonna go. We don't know what's going on. We don't know the full effect. But I really hope something happens from this. Yeah, and I mean the, between the just between you, me, and Paul, we've had a conversation in our private chats before taking it to the podcast about Hutchinson that he hasn't played all season that he does have an injury, that the injury is keeping him out for a while. Does that f- affect his potential minutes before the World Cup? How is he? And then we get the news that his contract actually has been sold because of too many international spots on the on the club he's with, which also, I mean, obviously it's probably because of injury as well. Um, I don't know how frozen contracts work. I don't know if you could f- sign as a free agent somewhere. I don't know how any of that works. I've never really heard of this before. Um, unfortunately, though, I think with Gardens, no matter what, I, I don't – if he's healthy, if he's healthy, he's in Qatar. I don't think it matters on minutes. He's the voice. He's the face. He's the leader of that locker room. Hutchinson is – even if he's injured, he's going to be there. He's in the country. Is he playing? Is he part of the squad? I don't know. Um, Andre, like you said, Hutchinson, eh, we all want him there. You ask any Canadian who scores the first goal for Canada – Everyone is going to say Hutchinson. I I might cry if Hutchinson scores <laughs> the first ever Canadian World Cup oh, goal. Oh, that's fair. That's it's, oh my god. You, like uh, uh, minimum, minimum, we score one goal. We've done better than 1986. And if exactly. Hutchinson, I'm fucking that's walking it. away like. Yeah. That, that's our it. World. That is our World Cup. If Hutchinson scores at the World Cup, but is he going to be there? Yes. Is he going to be part of the roster? I don't know. And. Um, Paul said to me before, um, he's a smart guy, he's old enough, he's wise, he's going to keep fit regardless if he's playing or not. I don't think that's something we have to worry about. He's 39 years old. If his legs got it, his legs have it. Will he be playing as much? Maybe not. But I don't know, Juan, what do you think? Does he find another club? Does he get these minutes? Should we be worried with Hutchinson on the pitch, even at the World Cup if he's there? I think, uh, first and foremost, I think the situation is horrible because that guy's been captaining Besiktas for so long, and the, the fans really do love him there. And for them to miscalculate the amount of foreign players they have there, it's an embarrassment for the club, you know, because he's he's been fantastic for them. And uh, he's, he's uh, right now, he's uh, currently frozen out right now, which is a main concern for the uh, squad for Qatar, but... Herdman likes to keep his groups small. They're usually between 23 to 26 uh, man roster for usually the friendlies and for the qualification as well. It is a concern that he is dealing with an injury at this age, but I think that that group has a brotherhood. Every time you hear Herdman talk or one of the players, they, they mention brotherhood. And you, you see it, you know, the, the players back each other up. And I think it will be a difficult decision for Herman to, to leave Hutchinson out of the squad. Now, whether if not he is ready for the Qatar, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think him being injured and frozen now, I don't think that will affect them for Qatar. And 
Yeah, I, I, honestly, personally, for me, I hope that there is a mutual termination for the contract and he goes to MLS mm-hmm. after the World Cup. And uh, I hope Toronto picks him up, not just to start, but just to be a depth piece, you know, because for him to come back home after what he's done for the country will be a beautiful way to end the also career. Better. He's going to sign with York and bring that eye to the bring that eye to the Canadian Premier League. I I would I would not want to ever have him in the CPL because I don't want to see him in that rough and tumble game. And even the MLS, I'm still like, no, it's to too rough, fair. too rough and tumble. But I do want to see him back here. Yeah, I I want to see him back here in some capacity. But kind of a rapid fire before we move on to our next spot. I'm just going to ask sort of one. Where would you put him? What team right now, if he were all of a sudden fit tomorrow, but his contract is still out at Besiktas, what league are you going to put Hutchinson to make sure he's ready for the World Cup? Oof, that is a great question. So we're going to have to look for teams that are in, currently in Europe. Um, I would say maybe I, I would I would love to put him in the Belgium League. But currently, right now, Club Bruges is not doing the greatest with Canadians right now, so it's a little it's a little difficult because now that you are international and it's not a you're not coming from a country with historic like representation. You sort of still have to earn your mm-hmm. minutes, even if you are Matiba mm-hmm. Hutchinson. Uh, yeah, I would I would I would say possibly Bruges or somewhere in Belgium, Switzerland, maybe, because, you know, the competition won't be as that difficult, but you'll definitely earn the minutes mm-hmm. there. I'd put him in um, either second division Turkey, somewhere he's familiar with, or honestly, um, if possible, go to championship. It, it is a little bit of a rough league, but for a league to, to train with the best, to be in a, a great professional and uh, competitive setting, and uh, honestly, if you could get uh, teamwork with uh, Junior Hoylet or Corbinu, could be a little good power up. I throw him in the championship. All right, I'm gonna throw my curveball, Qatari League or the Saudi League, because yeah, get because that the thing is, is that <laughs> one, they're they're happy with getting people with experience. They don't mind the, the age. It's clear and obvious. It will then get him both fit for the climate, fit for the conditions, fit for the players. Like he's going to start to get to know what he's coming up to, and. It'd be a nice chunk of change right at the end of his career kind of thing. Finish off of the World Cup, walk away with a couple, you know, millions, literal millions, and doesn't have to worry about it because that league isn't as aggressive and rough because the last thing you want to do is stick him in somewhere where he's going to take a heavy challenge and boom, he's out. He's injured. And that's the last thing we want to see. But kind of going on, at least in terms of the World Cup, one of the beautiful reasons why Juan is actually here is because... Of his background. Now, Uruguay have been, like, historically the most dominant fucking club in World Cup history. Obviously, past, you know, our lifetimes hasn't been the greatest. But we have a friendly coming up with them on the 27th. Uruguay traditionally are just, like I said, go back, just go look at World Cup winners. Like, go, it's like... First ever. Like, it just, it just, you see it there so much. And I'm kind of really excited. So one of the things we're going to be doing during the World Cup season is previewing different countries from the eyes of, of people who it's their heritage, they're from there, someone where we don't have, you know, three white guys kind of talking about a country where we have no reason to be doing so. Unless it's England. Then well, be yeah, yeah, guy. I guess it's, yeah, it's England <laughs> and unfortunately Scotland. But 
I mean, you know what? Three different mix talking about uh, a country that clearly shouldn't be doesn't make much sense. So, what what is the what is one of the things that you're probably the most excited for really coming up to this World Cup? Uh, right now, it, it's honestly the youth. You know, right now we're we're starting to. We're starting to get away from the players that won us a lot of those trophies from the 2010s to 2011, from the Copa America to the fourth place uh, spot in World Cup. For for me, I consider a trophy because, honestly, that was such a beautiful moment in my life to, to see us go that far. And, um, yeah, honestly, like, right now, we're in a very difficult group. You know, I consider it the group of death. Um I would love to see what our coach does, uh, Diego Alonso, because our our coach before uh, Oscar Tabares, he uh, he was a great coach, but I I compared him to like Arsene Wenger, where like he had such a such a huge uh, impact to the group he had, but when it was time to leave, he was he he still wanted to have a say in in the in the group. And the, the guy, the guy could barely walk. He, he had canes. I don't know how he was able to like instruct the players in practice sessions. He could sort of see, I don't think, I don't think the players had lost faith in them, but it seemed like they needed a new inspiration, new direction for the squad. And right now, a lot of our players internationally are doing fantastic in the leagues they're doing right now. Like Valverde is doing excellent. I wanted to say Nunes, but he's having a stinker at Liverpool right now. Um, Vecino, uh, even right now, Facundo Torres, he's having a great season at uh, Orlando. So uh, honestly, it's it's refreshing to see these guys develop. And you know, Uruguay is a very small country. We currently have three million people there, and we somehow we somehow produce talent for this beautiful sport we watch. And honestly, I, I I really hope we make it through the group. I'm hoping, honestly, first or second, and we we'll, we we'll go from there because we are definitely a tournament team. We play we play a lot of counterattacking, and and those those uh, those kind of teams benefit in tournament styles where they play patient and they wait for those individual errors. So I I'm really looking forward to it and. Uh, do you think someone like Suarez gets the call? What is interesting about Suarez is that he is playing for Nacional. Yeah, that's kind of like what we think definitely... of that. Going back home to play, does that discredit or because of his name, does he just get the call on his name alone? I, I would I would say no because there's several reasons. One, uh, we have several players playing for the same league in that squad and they're uh, younger. So it seems like it is a reputable league for the coach for, for himself. And B, Suarez did decrease in terms of pace and in terms of uh, what he does contributing to the team, but he still has that technique. He may be a, a great like impact sub for the squad. So it's he sort of has that leg- legendary status with us where as soon as he gets on the pitch you know something special will happen so honestly i wouldn't i wouldn't start him i would put nunez up top but i would i would bring him to the to the world cup 100 yeah. and uh, him and Cavani. i was just about to say like it, it seems almost unreasonable for us to be bringing on hutchinson 
at his age and Cavani and Suarez are not there being both 35 they bring so much world cup experience mm-hmm. relevant world cup experience well i mean there is that- a difference though it's depth level right between Canada and Uruguay like Uruguay has like probably 55 players that would be there before Canada's where Hodgson's literally are maybe one or two guys could get there before him but but it's also a scenario where they both have so much consistent World Cup experience, right? Oh, no, you have for two, sure. You have, you have two players where, as as one said, I don't see them starting. But uh, if you don't have them in there, these younger players who maybe have never been to World Cup, don't know, don't experience it, you could really be shooting yourself in the foot. Because Uruguay, I, they, when was the last time they never made it to the round of 16? Because they're, they're almost constantly semis, round of 16s, quarters. Like, I, I can't even think of the last time. I think it was uh, 2006, and then uh, we had a stinker there. And in 2010, now that, that was our golden era. Like I can vividly remember Diego Forlan just scoring those goals. Like it seemed like he was born with the Jumbalani, Jumbalani ball. Um, yeah, like honestly, like we have a lot of aging players, which was my primary concern. But after uh, Oscar Tavares uh, stepped down and the new coach came in, he was not afraid to make those changes. Yeah, I that's and that's brilliant. I mean, one of the things I am personally super excited for is seeing what they bring to the table on the 27th when Canada has a friendly against them, because both teams are going to be looking straight at World Cup and just going forwards. And then you're going to have that masterclass of just experience getting further with Uruguay and the absolute newcomers. So I'm re- like out of all of the games, I think that is, I mean, obviously Toronto's fucking shit the bed. So like, we're like a, that, that dream's gone right now. So I just kind of shifted <laughs> the dream a little bit to something a bit more reasonable. I really want to see how they do. And I really want to see if Uruguay takes it se- like two things. I want to see how Canada does, but I want to see if Uruguay looks at it as a serious threat or, or, or take it seriously. I- I think we should because honestly, uh, looking at the game, I think Canada should look at it as we're like they should be preparing how they face against Croatia because there is a mix of talented players that are becoming older and there's becoming a lot of youth players that are showing their worth. And uh, I think currently right now, Canada might have a little bit of difficulty with the spine of their team because uh there's Canada center backs they're they're aging right they're not the youngest players but you take a look at Steven Victoria Kamal Miller um Daniel Henry other than well other than Kamal Miller those guys are a little bit of struggling and I think they'll have a little bit of difficulty facing a quick line uh that Uruguay will will put out and I think Canada might struggle with uh, the midfield as well because right now you take a look at uh, K. He is not having the greatest time after his injury at Toronto FC. You look at Osario. He had a great start to the season, but now he's slowing down a bit. Uh, You're looking at Tiba now that's being frozen out. And I think that for, for Canada to win, I think they need to expose the wings. Because Uruguay plays a 4-4-2 when they're playing defensive. I think Canada's wings could expose that 4-4-2 if they're going on a, uh, a counterattack or a transition period. Because if you, let, if you let Uruguay go on that 4-4-2 block, then it'll be very difficult for them to break that down. 
So I, I'm hoping that Davies plays a huge part or Buchanan rips For it sure. down the wing. And I, and I think if Uruguay has to look into that and take Canada serious, because like I said, a lot of youth players, a lot of guys that are getting their first internationals, they have to take Canada mm-hmm. serious. It's no secret that's Canada's goal, right? It's going into the World Cup. I think we're a counter team. Our, our, I think our whole structure is going to rely on beating you guys on the wings, no matter who we play, to be the faster, younger team and work the wings and get the ball into the box from the outside. That is going to be our goal. And Uruguay, I think, is the best team for us to see what Canada really is going into the World Cup. You guys are going to have possession. You guys are going to have the chances. And we're going to see, can Buchanan, can Larea, can Davies work the wing like you just said we have to if we want success? Well, we're going to find out, honestly, if, if they struggle. It is super exciting. But, I mean, we do have to find a kind of move on to another struggle. And that's, unfortunately, the worst game in existence. Penalty quiz out. It is the <laughs> uh, like the worst game in podcast history. But it is gaslighting the game, and we do it every week, and so here we are again. God damn it. So don't worry, Wanda. Paul decided to give me his answer, so you don't have to answer for him. I think it would be cooler if you answered for him so Paul could blame his loss on someone. (laughs) But um, if anyone doesn't know the game, if you're new to this, um, we ask five questions. Uh, Question one is worth one point. Question two is worth two points. This game we're focusing on is the U.S. Open between Orlando and Sacramento. And, uh, yeah, Andre, are you ready? Nope. Deep down inside, absolutely not. All right, I will read off the questions and then we'll get to a quick break before we hear the answers. So, Andre, question number one is worth four points. I'm fucking with the system today, man. What is we wrong all, with you? We all know <laughs> a second division team has won the U.S. Open Cup before. But can you tell me what year that happened, who it was, who they beat, and what was the score? So, oh, so this is like a multi-motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. You do not have to get it all right to get the points. Each each answer is going to be worth one on its own. Question number two. So. Sorry, go on. Oh, God. Okay. So it's who. Who who did they beat? What was the score? And what year? Awful. Alright. Um, question number two. This tournament is surprisingly old as fuck, but can you tell me what year the first ever cup was rewarded? Question number three. We're a Canadian soccer podcast. We covered this game because there was a Canadian player in it, but can you tell me how many minutes Akadeli played? Question number four. What was the attendance? Easy enough, Andre. We, I know you love that question. And number five. Who drew the pen? Who on Orlando drew the pen for the second goal of the game? I'm so sorry, Paul. <laughs> I have Paul's answers right here. Um, <laughs> uh. We're going to take a quick break, everyone. We'll be right back, and Andre will tell us how much he wants to cut himself after this one. <laughs> <laughs> FC 13 Podcast is sponsored by Bet99. Bet99 is a Canadian sportsbook and casino. They offer in-play betting, player props, a cash-out option, and many more great products. There are a variety of sports available on the website to bet on, including NHL, NBA, NFL, and the MLB. 
Bet99 works smoothly on both desktop and mobile. And the Bet99 mobile app can be downloaded from the homepage of the website. Depositing and withdrawing funds are hassle-free with a number of well-known methods available to you so you know your money is safe and secure. The website can be viewed in both English and French, and customer service is available 24-7 on live chat. So go to bet99.com and make an account to get started. Remember to use our code 13thmansports1, but please gamble responsibly. 19 plus, play responsibly. Available to persons in Ontario only. Subject to successful AGCO registration and execution of an operation agreement with iGambling Ontario. If you have any questions or concerns about your gambling or the gambling of someone close to you, please contact Connex Ontario 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. And now, back to the show. And we're back. I hope everyone enjoyed the break because I know Andre did not. So I will flip coin here. And Andre, my coin's off camera, so you can't say I'm not flipping one. Andre, do you want to go heads or tails? I'm going to go heads. And we got heads. Do you want to go first or second? Ooh, I, I want to go second. I absolutely want to go second. All right. So I don't know how this is going to work without Paul, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> So, um, Paul's answer is going to be shown now. Hello, hello, Paul. I just, uh, just thought I'd drop in for the question. You know, I'd let you guys do all the talking today. Michael asked me the questions. I swoop in and win, win the penalty quiz out. No big deal. No big deal at all. So, anyway, let's get this started. So... All right, Andre. Paul's answers. <laughs> I am a sucker for history, so I'm. I knew this one before Michael asked me it. So it's 1999. It was the lovely named Rochester Rhinos against the Colorado Rapids, and the score was two ones. So that was the last time a team outside MLS has won the U.S. Open Lamar Hunt Cup Championship Super Bowl. Andre? Mm. Honestly, I I hate being that dick, but that Paul, that's such a fucking good answer. Um I'm gonna you know what? I can't afford not to take it. I gotta go with that one. I, go, I every single one. Every yeah. single one every single one because I don't have any idea. So you both get three points. It was Rochester Rhinos who beat Colorado in nineteen ninety nine, but it was a two Nothing final, not 2-1. I could have took a risk there. But you know what? I'm still happy with it. I'm still happy with it. So you both get three points. Now, Andre, back to you. What year was the first ever uh, U.S. Open? Because the U.S. Open Cup is old as fuck. That I know that. It is. I studied that. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Mike. Uh, I'm going 1914 because I know they like did a 100-year thing a while ago. The first one was held in 1914, I believe. So it's really old in an American context as well. Like, you know, like it far outdates like really any surviving North American soccer league. It's amazing like how it's been going on for so long. And you both get the points, both coming off the top first two questions with five points. Now for question number three, how many minutes did Akadeli play? Paul called me up and he said, Michael. It wasn't long. I want to say it was about, it was about six minutes. Andre, what is your answer? I, because he came in late as shit. 
Um, I'm going to say seven. And Andre takes the cake. Andre takes the cake. So that was Andre is at eight points while Paul sets off five. Um, <laughs> this game fucking is awful. Like it's seriously <laughs> awful. Why so, am I so happy right now? Um, a Paul's answer. I believe it is. Is no, it's your turn, Paul. Uh, Andre. No, yeah, it's I not. Paul. It's Paul's turn. I'm sorry. This is very confusing. How many <laughs> fans were in attendance? All right. So I know it was sold out, and I know Orlando Stadium is about twenty-five thousand ish. I read it up when I did my um. MLS rankings article, which you can still read, by the way. You know, if you're looking for something to read on the toilet, check out my um my MLS stadiums ranked article. <laughs> I'm gonna go with twenty five thousand and five hundred. Yeah, that, that that sounds about that sounds about right. Andre, that's way too close. I fucking hate this. I wanna, mm, I wanna say. Fuck, man, I can't afford to lose this game. This game's awful. I want... Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. That's my problem. Now I'm nervous setting up the penalty fucking spot. Okay. I, I, that's too specific. I got I to gotta take his answer. I got to take his answer. You taking it? Then you both come out with the four points. Um, I've given it to you, but it's not exactly it. It was 25,527. Paul was off by 27 people in I that I was crowd. thinking 35,000 initially, but when, like, knowing, hearing that number, I'm like, yo, I can't not. Like, that's too specific. So, yeah, okay, so, um, the, the final question will seal the deal here. Um, and it's your turn to answer first, Andre. Who drew the pen? I thought you were going to have more inflection or more there. <laughs> I was like, I was nope. like, yeah. Nope. Uh, so... That would have been uh, Lopez, I believe. It wasn't. I'll be honest, I'm having a complete memory blank. So hopefully Andre doesn't know this one either. (laughs) I'm going to guess the answer was... um... Anyway, I hope the podcast is going well, you guys. Um, Say hi to Juan for me. And I hope you guys have a lovely, lovely day. But don't worry, because Paul doesn't have the answer anyways. He literally gave me no one. So, (laughs) Andre wins with a score of 12 to 9, baby. (laughs) The actual answer was Benji Michael. He came on as a sub and then tucked the pen and scored it as well. Oh, 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 I even I even had Michael repeat the questions to me like three times. I thought it was like, who caused the pen? Never mind. Who drew the pen? Paul actually... Yeah, Paul gave me a Sacramento defender. I'm like, no. And I even replied, I'm like, hey, that's not what I meant by the question. I meant who got tackled. He goes, I don't even fucking know. Just give him that one. I'm like, okay. All right, Paul, <laughs> me you and you. I'm on your side because holy shit. Oh, that game is stressful. Now I'm pissed. I'm trying to get first overall. You know what? what? Shut up. Um, okay. Because I don't know if you know, but we have someone on, on our podcast right now who very happily pointed out my horrible form. But... I mean, at least in the grand scheme of things, they're back to normal. I'm in a winning. No, I'm just kidding. And if you want to be checking out this game, make sure to be checking out on this Saturday, the 17th, Toronto versus Orlando. It is a last ditch effort. I mean, again, if you don't want to play, that's fair. 
none of us really want to play, but it is our last ditch effort for Toronto to try to get in and do something with the playoffs. So September 17th, Toronto, Orlando, if you want to play along for the next game of the week. Moving on, at least we can talk about this game because Sacramento, in my opinion, just on merit and quality of a game, deserve that cup because that game was so goddamn good, at least up until that first Orlando goal. Yeah, that first goal stunned. And it wasn't just because they scored. It was how it happened. It was a defender fuck up. It was unfortunate to watch. Never mind for it to happen. But Sacramento is what everything we want to see from a CPL team. And it was very attractive to just watch them. Even though it was a 3 nothing game. That game did not say 3 nothing if you actually watched it. And to hold them off the score sheet for 75 minutes. And, they, and it's not like they just sat back. They had a fair amount of chances pushing up the field. It was unfortunate, but... Orlando will be our champions next year while Sacramento gets to sit home and we still wish for their spot in the MLS to yeah. come true. They 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 had such a like an interesting dynamic too because the shots on target were three to two, but then the shots overall were fifteen to five. Like it, the game just told two very different sides, and Sacramento just had such danger constantly throughout it. But then as soon as that seventy fifth like minute goal came in, everything just sort of. That they didn't do well in catch up. Put it this way, they their catch up was not a thing. They were like, "All right, well, now we're just done. Like, let's just let's just panic." And and it was just disarray from there. It was seventy, eighty, and then that unfortunate last minute goal. Yeah, shout out yeah, to exactly. uh, former TFC legend Danny Dicchio for being the assistant manager there. He did a great job with the club, man. I totally forgot mm-hmm. the fact that he's part of that. So when they mentioned Danny Dicchio, I was like. What? What? I was just like, there's no two of them. There's no way there's two of them that have anything to do within the system. And I looked up and I saw him and I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Stigio. If I was a player for that team and he was like my coach, I'll be scared shitless, man. That guy looks like, uh, you know, he looks like a hitman. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah he, he looks like Agent 47 from the Hitman series. Yeah. Like he could put on a suit and just give you a look and you're like, okay. I'm going to go do something else. And that British accent, man, with that thick voice, you're like, God damn. <laughs> oh, it, absolute, it was an absolute cracker, though. So if you haven't had a chance, obviously go mm-hmm. back and watch it. I mean, the U.S. Open Cup is kind of what we dream the Voyager's Cup is going to be. A lot of games goes all so the way much. down, right? Very, uh, very akin to what we get over, you know, in South America, in Europe, in Asia, where we have all of these various teams from levels just kind of competing. And, and it just produces, in my opinion, and in this case, better quality because you filter out. So it, it, Canada has a really notorious thing for when a team wins, our players just get picked. CPL team wins, you know, the good like players just kind of they, they swoop in and take them. MLS, same thing. Toronto won, swoop in and take them. But at least in this scenario, you have who deserves to be there is there. They've, they've fought their way up. They've earned their way into it. And MLS teams are no exception. Yeah. Hence why it was a USL team versus an MLS team because they had beaten mm-hmm. their opponents opponents the whole way up and earn their right in there considering where you see orlando is in the standings every mls team there had that opportunity to kind of try to go up there and didn't make sure yeah and sacramento who beats what two or three mls teams to get there as well like they they were there they were there to win it and i've said this before in the podcast as sacramento are waiting for their MLS team, there's a there's been a hold on it. I'm not sure what the holdup is. I'm not sure if that means that it's not even just happening anymore. But the f- I'm, I'm not sure how far Sacramento is from Orlando. 
I've, I have no idea. Sacramento's in but, California. Yeah. And Orlando's <laughs> in Florida. Okay, there you go. So the fucking so it's, absolute so furthest. It was a West East Coast final. That makes it better. That makes it better for 500 fans to show up in Orlando oh. for Sacramento. Like, it's awesome. Like, again, like, Sacramento, and even if you look at their season and the table, they're an okay team. They're not killing it. They're not destroying it. So to go into MLS clubs and play the way they did, Round of applause. It was great to see. I mean, everyone was hoping for them to lose. I'm oh, sorry, to win. I think the only people who wanted them to lose were Orlando, in all honesty. I mean, no matter what trophy it is, though, most of the time you're lucky for that underdog, right? And it's like, can you can you tell me anyone but a Forest fan who didn't want Leicester to win the cup that year? Yeah. Like, it's it's how it works, right? So, round of applause to Sacramento. It just sucks. I would love to see them in Champions League. Imagine them printing over like a cruise Azul to fucking Sacramento. Oh, it would have been it would have been great. And seeing those teams lift those trophies just does so much. It's news stories. Like it gets people talking about it because, in honesty, no one here talks about it. No one in Europe's really mm-hmm. going to talk about the U.S. Cup. But when you have a team like that winning exactly. it, it just brings the attention to it, and that's what we want. We want that positive attention. Oh, exactly, hundred percent. So. 100%. It's unfortunate. I mean, the game ended 3-0 for Orlando. It, it it was what it was, and Orlando just showed that that money sort of talks. There was one player on there, and I actually thought this was going to be a question, so I, I wrote it down, and I'm pissed it didn't come up. But one player, their most recent signing that came from, I believe, actually, I believe Uruguay or uh, Argentina, makes more per year than the entire wage bill of Sacramento. Yeah, it's fucking there. Yeah, so that is insanity. So it's the yeah. disparity levels that you see in the FA Cup, in Copa del Rey, mm-hmm. in the DF portal. I'm missing a couple letters there. It's the same disparity levels. And I, I was it yep. was just it was a great game to watch and I really want to see more of them. But I think that's gonna have to be it for us. I, I really, really enjoyed having you on one. I cannot actually wait for the twenty seventh. Uh, I can't wait till the end of the CPL season. Actually, now almost even a little bit more because I really, I want to see just kind of how that game ends and how the how it goes because the way it's looking, that game could really make somebody's heart and break it at the exact same time with the final ending of York and Ottawa. But from everyone here, I really want to thank you again for coming on. If we wanted to find you, where would we do it? Guys, find me on Twitter uh, as well as on YouTube uh twitch as well i'm mostly active there don't bother looking on me on facebook <laughs> linkedin i don't do that any of that stuff even instagram <laughs> no i just you know but oh, oh hey, hey if everything's working out well why not <laughs> uh but yeah guys thank you for having me man this is such a blast uh, and again if you guys want to see more of it like i said definitely go check them out on twitch Go check out his YouTube channel and stuff like that. And if you want to go, make sure to check up 13th Man Sports where you're going to see articles from, you know, Paul and Michael, but some of our other writers there, too. And there's more than just football there. There's the American football, the CFL, you know, there's there's baseball. There's a lot of different stuff that's kind of happening in, in the pipeline. So make sure to go and check it out, because, again, if it's if footy's not your only sport, hockey's right around the corner. And a lot of the guys are going to be just as sort of passionate for that, so to speak. So make sure to go check out 13th Man Sports, either on, you know, the Twitter or right on their websites. Also, make sure that you hit subscribe. You can follow us on, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Michael, tell us where you can find you. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to call me Michael. I didn't want to say your home address this time. (laughs) Mm, I can give you my parents' address. Oh, that's fair. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you can find me at the Andre McRae and also at FC13 Podcast on Twitter. Make sure to check out our YouTube and our TikTok because we are starting to get a little bit more active there. From everyone here, thanks so much, guys. Remember, watching and listening to the FC13 Podcast is like watching football through a microwave. Mm-hmm.